Hello, everyone, and welcome to the views from the 573 Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan McDaniel. Thank you all for joining me on this podcast. Thank you all so much for taking some time out of your day to hang out with us. If you haven't yet, be sure to go check out this podcast and the entertainment from the 573 Podcast, where you guys get your pods. Be sure to go subscribe, leave us a rating, review, all that good stuff, and turn on notifications as well. If you prefer video content, we got our YouTube channel, 573 Podcast. We got a couple shorts up. We got videos and views. So if you prefer video content, go check that out. Like, share, subscribe, all that good YouTube stuff, and turn on notifications for that as well. On this episode, we are tackling the AFC North. And of course, I got to get the two fans of teams, of AFC North teams, on this pod for the first time we think since 2020 it's the original three me matt mormon peter lewis the band is back together <laughs> <laughs> it only took us two three years whatever math is well i think what happened here is peter's just really been heartbroken he's been having a really hard time coping with the retirement of ben roethlisberger so he hasn't been able to be on the podcast to talk with me you know like he can talk with ryan about it because it doesn't incite so many bad memories and anger because <laughs> the steelers always beat the titans over the course of their of ben roethlisberger's career meanwhile you know he thinks back to ben roethlisberger the you know steelers and he just thinks about all the terrible times they had from time to time Peter Lewis noted Ben Ben Roethlis supporter on the Five Seven Three podcast. A bad thing has never been said about Ben Roethlisberger by you me know, on this pod. I'm not in even, history. I'm not sure. There's no single, proof of it. I'm not even sure a single word I just said was true because I feel like, <laughs> like number one, obviously Peter hated Big Ben, but also I feel like Big Ben just always beat the Ravens. Like Lamar is what one and two against the Steelers with like both losses by one point. Ben's losses to the Ravens have always been like the stupid ones that make your head sh- that make me like like uh do that motion uh rest in peace audio listeners I, I'm stupid right now uh the, the 2014 playoff game where you know they were the one seed and they lost to the six seed uh, Ravens I'm just like how how did you do that you you got a b and Le'Veon you, you got a b and Le'Veon back there what what's going on we're losing to the Ravens <laughs> in the wild card well, I feel like that was just the, the career of Big Ben, right? Was, was he just loses the game he's not supposed to lose? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just like Thomas' coaching style, too. <laughs> so there's a little preview for you about what we're going to talk about with the Steelers later on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, we're talking AFC North today. But first off, we are going to be tackling something that's been in the NFL news for a minute now. And that is the current running back market. It's no joke. Uh, with the running back market in the last several years, the position has kind of been devalued a little bit. And there's been a lot of talk about these running backs kind of talking with each other about what's going on and trying to make sure they get their fair value. And we just had a Jonathan Taylor trade request uh, to coincide with all of this. So, I mean, guys, listen, we've known the running back market's been kind of devalued for a while, but now it feels like it's at an all-time tipping point. Yeah, and I think it all really does kind of go back to like, gosh, what draft was it, Ryan? Was it 2013 when there wasn't a single running back taking the first round? Mm-hmm. And like everybody kind of really blew up with that, right? And I think like it started there. And then I think there were a couple drafts there where the running back talent just wasn't 
quite there, right? And I think that exacerbated the mentality of the running back position where, like, you think about the uh, – like, an Eddie Lacy was, like, you know, one of the top running backs drafted, right? A Gio Bernard, who was even a good player but kind of limited. I think that those guys kind of really showed the cracks of running backs because those guys, they were able to get good position – good years out of those guys – despite them guys themselves not being all that good, all that useful. And I think then we saw for years and years and years, teams would pay these running backs and then they'd fall apart immediately. Right. Yeah. Uh, Zeke is really like the final example of that. And so I think teams are just looking at this and saying, well, why should we keep on paying you if your future production is not good? And I think, you know, I don't know what the answer is for these running backs. I just don't know if there even is one. Um, Their best years, and look, we see it as fantasy players every year, right? Like, there's a reason why we constantly are saying don't draft 28-year-old running backs and above. It's because the cliff can hit at any moment on those guys. And so, you know, we aren't paying them the money. We're just simply saying, well, they're just not going to be very productive. Versus they're paying them the money and then they're not productive. It reminds me a little bit of what we saw in baseball shortly after the Albert Pujols contract, right. where we then saw free agency really stall out, you know, for a while. I mean, even think about like a Bryce Harper and a May Machado, they both had to wait till like January of their free agency years to finally get their big deals. It reminds me a little bit of that in a way, but also just like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pro player on a lot of things, but I also always think the team's, should do what's in their best interest. Teams should always do what what's smartest for team building. And if the Ravens ever paid a veteran running back, I would be sitting here on this podcast saying that was not a good idea. I didn't like the Mark Ingram signing. Uh, there's the, you can go back, you can go check the receipts on the tweets. And yeah, he was super productive for us. Uh, but you know, I just always kind of feel like that money spent better elsewhere. But how much of that was just, you know, that year the Ravens had a offensive line that was worth looking into? Because I think that's what the league has become. It's the oh. offensive line that's really there, – there are talented running backs. Like, let's right. let's not undervalue that. Like, Christian McCaffrey, mediocre offensive line, good offensive line, and to some extent maybe a workable bad, if that makes sense, offensive line. He's going to be a talented SOB. But let's take, you know – the famous situation with a certain Le'Veon Bell who decides to hold out. Look at Najee. An op- offensive line built around him, mm-hmm. per- for him. He goes to the Jets who are under Adam Gase who obviously doesn't know offense. No. And next thing you know, well, he goes from certified first rounder in the in the fantasy draft to, oh, don't touch that guy with a 20-foot pull. But I did in uh, 19, and that was a bad idea. <laughs> well, and not only was that him getting a downgraded offensive line, that also coincided with him getting older. Right. And right. so if you are the Steelers, you can say, well, we built this great offensive line for you. Your skills are about to deteriorate. Right. Let's move on and let's hand that same offensive line off to James Conner, who I think we all agree James Conner is a middling running back, yeah. even at his prime. Yeah. James Conner was never a star. He was a star turd. He was never a star. He had a couple very right. good years, though. Because right now in Arizona, he's more of the – pass catching guy i've noticed it's not really a ground and pound with him eh, it's still kind of so, he's he's a little bit of everything but he's not a lot of anything right but I, I will say this for just you know let's go on the younger side like uh 
last year on my fantasy team, I had Joe Mixon, and he was out for two, three games with some sort of weird injury. I can't remember. My team was bad, so I gave up at, like, week five. <laughs> but I remember I was lucky. I got his – I got the guy off waivers. I think it was – Oh, God, Sam, Yeah, P. Ryan. And he's putting up the same numbers. I'm like, is P. Ryan just this elite and we just never notice? Or is it because, again, the Bengals realizing they had a uh, basically a Hall, of, a Hall of Fame potential with uh, Burrow and they almost killed him in his first year? Oh, let's make an offensive line for once. Well, and I think it's one of those things that, uh, you know, Tanner, my co-host on the ADP, says that if you give any viable running back in the NFL the same amount of carries – you're going to get roughly the same production over the course mm-hmm. of a season. And I right. do agree with that. I think on the individual plays are where you can really see the difference. Right? I think that Super Bowl with the Bengals, uh, Joe Mixon was off the field, right? And Samaji Pirine um, had the carry. I want to say the carry from shotgun, and he didn't make one guy miss, and they got tackled short, right? Isn't that what happened? I'm trying to remember. It's two years ago already. <laughs> but I remember that Mixon was off the field. Pirine didn't make the play. I feel like Mixon would have made the play. And that's where I think it's really hard on these running backs is that they are talented players. They are better. Joe Mixon is better than Smaji Pirai. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And on individual circumstances, on individual plays, that shows up. But once you extrapolate it over the course of 200 carries, those little things get missed because, yeah, on that play, Joe Mixon would have just turned two yards into four yards. Right. But four yards meant the first down. And when you look at the box score at the end of the year, you would have just seen two more yards. And, right. you know, a lot of the analytics would have just said two more yards. You know, a lot of things don't necessarily – don't phase into that. And, and, you know, I don't necessarily think you should pay players if the difference is two yards on the occasional play. I don't think that's necessarily a shame on the team for doing for not doing that. You know, if I can pay $2.50 for Shimazi Pirine – and it's going to be 80% of my $10 Joe Mixon, mm-hmm. then yeah, I think I'm just going to pay $2.50 for a Samaji Pirai. Yeah. Ryan, your team has like the golden example <laughs> of the running back who like just defies and breaks all the rules. <laughs> They're the ones that paid him and it worked out well. What do you think about all this? Yeah, you, you mentioned we had the golden example, the king, if you will, um, to give him his proper title. Um, yeah, you know, the offensive line thing, here's the crazy thing. So, Henry last year behind that offensive line, which you lost Taylor Lewan in week one. It was bad. And he had Dennis Daly, who I swear might have been the worst left tackle I've ever seen play in my lifetime. Um, And he ran behind that offensive line and had well over 1,500 yards. Um, So, right. yeah, like, I think – Henry is built different. I mean, literally, he is. He is 6'3", 250. I'm, I'm probably, you know, giving him a little bit less on those two fronts. Um, I mean, he is listed at 6'3", 247. Okay. Look at it right now. Well, I gave him three extra You, you know him very well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he appreciates Ryan's that. Ryan's not obsessed. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, no, like, Henry is really different compared to these others where I I really wonder how it's going to take a toll on it. I think that's going to be the interesting storyline for me uh, with him this year is just seeing how many carries can he take. 
But yeah, like if you got a guy like Piran that you can get for a little bit less than say a Mixon in that example, you you go for Piran, and if you get some good production out of him, then yeah, you're you go for it. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a lot less, by the way. Yeah. Um, looking at it right now, uh, Piran signed a two year, seven point five million dollar deal with uh, uh, the Broncos. And three million of that was uh, guaranteed. Just to use as a comparison, Miles Sanders, who I think is you know right around the Joe Mixon territory as a player. Yeah. Uh, Miles Sanders signed a four-year, twenty-five point four million with eleven guaranteed. So like that's a very large difference if you're choosing to pay a Miles Sanders or a Samaj P. Ryan. That's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. It, it, incredibly huge difference. Um. But yeah, one thing. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Yeah, no, like this. But the Ryan back market. I mean, I, I mean, I, you wonder how it's going to be with somebody like a Bijan who just came in to the league. Um, you wonder how it's going to treat. He him. hasn't even played. It's amazing. He hasn't even played it down yet. <laughs> and my first, one of the first things that happens on draft night is because I agree. You do think, well, gosh, is he going to get paid? Like also, not to mention. Right now, Bijan Robinson is a top ten paid NFL running back. Ooh, wow! He is eighth in total in total contract value. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know if this helps the conversation, but the moment anything about like the value of running backs, especially in our lifetime watching the NFL, for some reason, this draft lives in my mind rent free, and it's like the first one I brought up just to make sure I got the players right. Uh, the 2005 NFL draft, where in the first five picks, there were three running backs, two of which were from the same school. You had Ronnie Brown from Auburn go to the Dolphins at two. You had Cedric Benson from Texas go to the Bears at four. And then Cadillac Williams, what, uh, bringing back some memories, from Auburn as well, <laughs> going to the Bucks, And only one of those had a Pro Bowl. Well, and that was a time, again, 2005, those were the days when, you know, if you're, if you're in the first five uh, picks of the draft, even the first ten, you were making money, money. It wasn't the oh, yeah. structured contracts of now. It's like, no, you go number Alex Smith put number one that year, and I, I definitely remember him like telling the 49ers, "You're paying me, or I'm not playing." <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, we're talking sixty million dollars for the first overall pick, right? Um, and one thing, Peter, with that too, I would almost guarantee that the Ronnie Brown Pro Bowl year is the Wildcat year, right? Like exactly, the exactly. Offense, so it led to that. <laughs> uh, but you know, even if they were good, like. Right, because, I mean, gosh, even if they were good, they still would just had short shelf lives, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Ronnie Brown, you know, gosh, what was it, 2010? 2008. 2008 Pro Bowl, you oh, are wait. correct. And that was it. Mm. Yeah, and just think about it, literally a year after with Reggie Bush, too. And right, the Reggie yeah. Bush race that was going on. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think one thing that's interesting to look at in comparison to is uh, today, Cole Komet got paid, the tight end for the Bears. And uh, Cole Komet's new deal is a four-year, $50 million deal mm-hmm. with $22.8 million uh, guaranteed at signing. Um, looking around, the Derrick Henry, which is Derrick Henry signed his deal a couple years ago now. Uh, Henry had a four-year, $50 million deal, $25 million guaranteed at signing. <laughs> so, like, and that's a, uh, that's a tight end. I'm not comparing anyone to quarterbacks or wide receivers or edge rushers. Right. Like that's a tight end that we're comparing him to here. That's just Cole Komet. 
Yeah, compared to Derrick Henry. I'm not I mean, look, I'm not necessarily a big fan of paying the running backs. I'm with the team on this. I really am. But man, if you gotta tell me which one do you want on your football team right now for the same exact price, Derrick Henry right. or Cole Komet, <laughs> I think it's gotta be Derrick Henry. And even if he's right. only good for the one year of it, then fine, I'll eat the rest. I know I'm getting one year. I don't know if I'm getting one good year out of Cole Komet. <laughs> I was about to say, from a fantasy standpoint, like $50 million for Cole Komet, that's uh, <laughs> overpay. I know there, there's a huge difference between what the teams are doing and what we're doing as fantasy owners, but I'm just like, Cole Komet? With that offense? I mean, With he, Justin Fields? <laughs> he is – okay, to defend Cole Komet a little bit, he is, <laughs> he is only 24. It's the Jason Hayward contract, right? Like It really is. That's what these are. Like, And, you know, in general – it's fine to make that bet. He's the eighth highest paid tight end. That's perfectly fine. Um, but the fact that the that. number eight tight end is equal to the number three running back. Yeah, it's kind of an issue, but it's an issue. I don't know how you solve it. I don't know if there will be a resolution. Also, the CBA, it doesn't expire for another, gosh, what, six years or something mm-hmm. like that? Maybe even more than that. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know when you're going to come around to any kind of changes. Um Personally, I don't mind the franchise tag being a thing. I think it's okay. I think they maybe need to change the rules to where you can only tag a player one time. I think maybe that's a helpful solution. Yeah. I think what's gonna. I think what the moment that scared teams of running backs was probably that whole Todd Gurley deal because the moment it happened, it was just a immediate trajectory down. Not a, not obvious at first, but like within two years of it, you would just realize the Rams were in a yeah. screwed position and i did, did, did he get bobby benead where they basically were just like hey in 20 years we're gonna pay you a certain amount for the rest of your life or did oh. they just like say here's the money i guess I mean, well yeah so in, in the nfl you can't do the bobby benead but they, okay. did, they did eat a very sizable dead cap hit and to get them to just go away now i, I think Gurley's a little different because you knew going back to college he had the knee issues right so maybe that one is just a hair bit different. Um, I'm trying to see what really is like a fulcrum point here. I mean, Bell really is kind of the one yeah. that you kind of do point at and say like, that was really where everything changed. I think David Johnson also Ooh, uh, happened right at that same time. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, pay, they paid him big time money and then somehow shipped him off to Houston. Uh, for DeAndre freaking Hopkins, but I think well, that, that another one that, that has that has the obvious asterisk of you know who. Sure, but it did still. Happen. Oh, wait, was he fired then? Was Bill O'Brien fired no, then? No, he was there. That was part. Okay. 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 I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for some reason, he feels like one of those guys who has been fired multiple times and always later than you expect. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to look dumb. <laughs> And you know what, Ryan, this one actually got hit a little close too. I think uh, DeMarco Murray is another one that you can yeah. look at and say like, that was another one where a lot, a lot of people looked at it and said, wow, look at what a mistake that was getting him away from that Dallas, the great wall of Dallas. And he fell flat on his face in Philly. He came back to life a little bit in Tennessee, yeah. but I think that was another one where teams looked at that and said, man, Philly should not have paid that running back. And uh, yeah, it's really kind of cooled off since then. So I don't know. I, I don't know what it's going to – I don't really think it's ever going to come back around for him. I think that running backs are going to be treated kind of like how middle linebackers are. 
Um, you know, maybe one thing that actually, okay, this could be what fixes it. Make the franchise tag an offensive weapon franchise tag. We've had these disputes before with a Jimmy Graham, Mike Kosicki, right? Saying, well, I'm a tight end, but I'm a wide receiver, right? right? Um, Because middle linebackers, the reason you rarely see a middle linebacker get franchise tag is because so many edge rushers are classified as linebackers. So you'll have a Von Miller contract that goes for $180 million, shoot up that franchise tag value. So then when a CJ Mosley becomes a free agent, well, inside linebackers are paid significantly less than edge rushers, just like how running backs are paid significantly less than wide receivers. And so, uh, actually, man, I tell you what, right here, send this thing to Goodell. We just solved this <laughs> thing, dude. Like, you do. You, you have forget guard, center, tackle, making an offensive line franchise tag, making an offensive weapon franchise tag, quarterback franchise tag, a front seven franchise tag, and a secondary franchise tag. Hmm. You're welcome, America. <laughs> I just fixed this thing. Because that is – because there's, like, safeties – are kind of undervalued too. Middle linebackers are kind of undervalued. They can get buoyed up by those edge rushers and those, uh, and you know, defensive tackles have kind of come back around because they become more of a pass rushing position. But there for a while, the you know the the Vince Wilfork style defensive tackle is getting underpaid. Um, but if you then include them with those pass rushers, and by the way, with the way franchise tags work, they're an average of the highest salaries of positions. And so you wouldn't have those lower guys pulling it down at all. It would just go up and buoy up there with those other positions. Um, so, yeah, I just solved the problem. And, you know, I'm not going to say that I'm running for president anytime soon, but, like, I just turned 29. I'm only six years away now. <laughs> Close <so> enough. <laughs> I'm not saying I'd vote Mormon 2024, but, like, Mormon 2030? <laughs> And you know what? It's a conversation that got uh, Cadillac Williams name dropped all these years later. Yeah, Love shout out to Cadillac. That was the most productive part of the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, what a dude. What a moment. I remember he was on the Rams for like one season. Like That's I think right. it was his last last season, and yeah. he did. He had like a great game, so I really picked up a fancy. Like I got the guy. It's finally going to happen for Caddy, and it just did nothing, nothing. That was it. Was the outlier of all outliers. <laughs> My goodness, Cadillac Williams on the Rams. I forgot about that. What a one. Have you guys played Immaculate Grid yet? No, but you definitely showed me. So the listeners, I cannot suggest this enough. For some reason, it's not an app. It's just a website, ImmaculateGrid.com. They now have basketball, football, baseball, and hockey. It started with just baseball. Uh, Basically, it's a grid where it has teams on each direction, and you match a player who played for both. So if one side said Buccaneers, one side said Rams, your answer can now be Cadillac Williams. And that's beautiful. And that's fun. Uh, that's a man. That's a what a pullback. <laughs> Way to go, Peter. You know what's wild? I just brought up his resume. I just assumed because, you know, he's kind of famous in that draft class of being like, the running back's like, oh, okay, maybe we shouldn't do it that high. I just assumed he was on multiple teams. No, he was on Tampa Bay from 05 to 10, and then St. Louis for one year at 11. And then he was like, I'm done. I got my 05 money. See you guys. Well, that's five, legend. That's five rookie year deal plus a franchise tag. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know. Legend. I, I, I don't know if that is what happened, but that does line and up. And now he's coaching. I think it. I think he's coaching at Auburn now, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah. 
he was the head coach at the end of the year for him when they uh when they fired uh uh Harzen too. So he got to coach against Bama. <laughs> Shout out Caddy wherever you are in this world. <laughs> Loved you. Uh so let's uh... You're never forgotten here at the five seven three. And also, Peter, that's totally your luck that he would flame out as soon as you get him. Exactly. <laughs> that's just being fancy. Thirteen and fourteen were they they are outliers be they are outliers to the extreme degree. <laughs> oh yeah. I am the pirate of fantasy. <laughs> uh so let's get on with the AFC North previews. We are going to be doing this uh, like no. uh, we've been doing uh going in alphabetical order and so we are going to start with matt's baltimore ravens uh to kick us off here as uh in the video you get the ray lewis jersey showing up <laughs> super bowl we're, we're going back there well let, let, let's, let's real quick with... i i i just want to say this for the the ravens matt mormon I, I remember a few months ago, early in the year, this calendar year, probably toward the end, I think I sent you something. It was like a headline about Lamar's situation with the contract. And I was like, Matt, what are your thoughts on this? And I, I remember you, you responded, he gone with the uh, sad face emoji and the single tear. I was like, oh, that bad, Al, right? I truly believed it. I really, I really thought he was gone. Now that Mormon, I don't obviously I don't pay attention too much anymore. So I have to ask Matt Mormon, how was Lamar Jackson still here? <laughs> um, I think it was a combination of he caved to an extent, and they got him weapons. I think that there's kind of a marriage of that, right, Ryan? Yeah. Like Lamar didn't get the deal he wanted. He did not get the fully guaranteed deal that he was looking for. The one thing the Ravens did do, though, was they signed Odell Beckham to way too much money. <laughs> and then literally within hours after signing Lamar, they spent their first round pick on Zay Flowers. Right. So I think they overpaid on some weapons in order to help be like, look, Lamar, this is what we're going to do for you. And I do. I mean, he did cave on the, the full guarantee. There's just no way around that. It's still a great deal for him. Um, but, you know, it just was never going to happen. Uh, Justin Herbert just signed his new deal too, by the way, and it's also a buku deal for quarterbacks <laughs> and running backs are over here, you know, on the side of the street. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's how we got here, though. Is, is Lamar finally did the thing? I didn't think I really didn't think Lamar was going to give in. I really, I thought Lamar was going to go bare knuckles all the way down on this thing, and it didn't. He finally came back around. I think a big part of it was when he got the franchise tag. He then could have been traded to another team for two first round picks, or he could have just signed rather. And when there was just no interest from other teams, mm -hmm. I, I think that was the point where Lamar said, "Well, if no one's going to do it, I'll just stay here." Yeah, and potentially in his mind too, whoever would maybe make the move isn't going to be in a position like the Ravens are right now. Because I'm looking at their the wideouts they have. I mean. If this was, you know, 2016, I'd be like, oh, Super Bowl incoming. <laughs> it's but it's it's workable. They at least at least he's competent around this team. It's uh, hardball. If you replace Odell Beckham with DeAndre Hopkins, I feel much better about right. this. Right. Yeah. Right. And that was so feasible. You know, and maybe Odell's gonna go be great. He apparently has had good 
flashes in practice from what I've been able to tell. There's no limitations on him, which is good. Um, apparently, Zay Flowers is just looking awesome out there. When he's been I, I don't want to get too far ahead with this team, but I feel like Odell could be like the upside for A-Rob on the Steelers. Like it's the veteran with Flash, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crazy and say this is our number three. Well, I think the the best case scenario is that he is Odell on the Rams, where he's the really really solid second option, exactly. and Mark Andrews kind of is the Cooper Cup and you know quote unquote Cooper Cup of the offense, where Mark Andrews gets a ton of targets, works the middle of the field to perfection, he gets as much as he can get. Odell, Odell was a very nice second target for the Rams on that Super Bowl run. Like when Odell got for- hurt, that was a huge loss on that offense. Well, let's not forget we got the obvious number one here now in Nelson Aguilar. Hey, this team has so many first round I, I do like receivers. It. I, I, Nelson gets a bad rap for obvious, obvious bad plays, but you know what? I still like it. He's a good dude. He just. I don't know if he's ever really done much wrong. He just hasn't done much right. He's just been hanging around since 2016. Right. <laughs> um, no, and also, by the way, LaCron Treadwell also on this team. Um, speaking of guys who haven't really done much at wide receiver, um, you know, just on the shoulders of all the Raven legendary wide receivers, like Des Bryant, you know, and Lee Evans, and all these other greats that we've brought in over the years. Uh, you know, Jeremy Macklin, and wasn't there one last year? Who was it last year? Did oh. they have one? Oh, maybe this might be going. To, this might be going. If you did, you guys have prior? Or was that the? Was that the Commanders? No, that was, well, Cleveland did. The Jags. Have okay, one. he was great for Cleveland. Um, but no. So I, the thing that I think is most interesting about the Ravens is on the offensive side. Will the offense change now? Because now you have the money investment in Lamar. Mm-hmm. Is the front office, I think it would come from the front office. Would the front office now say, change the way that we use Lamar so he lasts for five more years? And then on top of that, the hiring of Todd Monken as the new offensive coordinator. Uh, from his days in Tampa, I know him very well as being a air it out and air it out down the field kind of guy. And from what I understand with the practice reports, that's kind of what the offenses look like for the most part. Um, more RPOs, which I think is exciting. I think that's a good way of right. still using Lamar's legs as a threat is, is make that option still present, even if it means he's actually just throwing the ball instead. Because if you're Lamar, like if you're the, if you're the Tennessee Titans playing against the Ravens and Lamar's doing these RPOs, I think you're going to bite at Lamar more than you're going to bite at Zay Flowers. Yeah. And so if he can then, as long as Lamar is making smart decisions, and I've always thought Lamar's been a pretty good decision maker. The the accuracy isn't always there, but I do think Lamar has often made very smart decisions. I, there's very few times throughout the game where I go, Lamar, what were you thinking there? You know, even if the, the throw is off, I can still look at it and say, I see what you saw. And so right. that's where I've got a lot of confidence in Lamar as the quarterback of this team, is I think he's going to make the right decisions on a lot of things. Very Russell Statistic- Wilson in that same kind of way. Statistically, his handling is much better because the first three years we had 12, 9, and 10 fumbles, and oh, in 21 and 22, only six and five. That's uh, and only three and two lost. I'd say that's a huge improvement. Yeah, his, his fumbles, like his first, his rookie year, were such a problem, and uh, that's pretty much gone away. 
Yeah, you know, it's impressive in twenty one because that that's the most he's ever been sacked in a season too. Yeah, so yeah. like that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, the Monk and hire it, it really intrigues me. Like again, with how this offense is going to be run and if there's going to be a drastic switch, because I think you look at Monk and at Georgia, and look how Georgia's ran. They had Darnell Washington and they had Brock Bowers, who's going to be a high pick next year. Yeah, isn't that isn't that Nick Boyle? Isn't that Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews? <laughs> <laughs> yeah like isn't that like isn't that, isn't that like nick boyle is your darnell washington yeah that's your sixth offensive line. or or pat ricard is in that role <laughs> and then mark andrews look i don't know college football all that well i only know darnell washington because he just got drafted i know who brock bowers is though that's your mark andrews like i think that it is a really good hiring match for this team. Sorry, Ryan. I didn't mean to totally cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just about to say, you know, that two t- – I would imagine even if they do air it out a little bit more, that two tight end set, you're going to see a lot of that as as well stay in place in this offense. Like, they're not going to go completely away from it. But I think they're going to incorporate some of that stuff with some of the old stuff. Like, the RPO stuff would be a fascinating addition to this offense, again, because of that – of Lamar and like you said those defenses will probably key in on Lamar more so than like a Zay Flowers or or whoever's out there catching the ball from him they are more likely to key on a key in on number eight than anybody else so I, I really think this hire Munkin is really going to be fascinating to watch as somebody who's not a Ravens fan as, a, as somebody who's a Ravens fan I gotta imagine it's going to be fascinating to watch see how it's going to work yeah, and I think, too, if you look at everything they've done this offseason, it all has been geared towards more passing, too, right? Like, because they did make the effort with Odell. They made the effort with Zay Flowers. Um, you know, and then, yeah, with Tom Monken. So, like, I do think it's just going to be very much more of a – it's still going to be a modern NFL run-heavy offense, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. they're not going to throw the ball 70% of the time or something like crazy. But, you know, among modern NFL offenses, they're still going to be one of the more run-heavy offenses, but less so than in years past. Yeah, I mean, the offensive line, I think, of course, I mean, one thing you hope is Ronnie Stanley is good to go with all the injuries he's gotten over the last few seasons and that he plays more um, no-bend powers up front. So you got to replace him. you got Morgan Moses, who's yeah. a little bit old. He's getting up there. He's 32, so... Filele, I think, is the the tackle of the future in that spot, and he's a mountain of a man. He's a big old <laughs> dude. Um, big Cleveland, also big country. Okay, cool. Ben Cleveland, he could be in that guard rotation, also left guard. Uh, but I, yeah, I think the nice. I, I always kind of think offensive line is one of those positions where if you've got kind of one. Oh, we lost Peter. Oh, uh, if, if you're missing out on one, you can survive a little bit. Um, you know, until injuries start to set in. But I do. I mean. Look, as long as Ronnie Stanley's healthy and playing, that's great. Um, you know, Linderbaum is a star. Zietler's been really great. And then, uh, like I said, Morgan Moses. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about Cleveland. Yeah, big country. It, oh, man, that takes me back to another former uh, player, David Stewart, who played for the Titans, had that same nickname. Uh, but, uh, yeah, 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 Peter's back. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, so yeah, that's the Ravens offense. Matt, how are you feeling about this defense of yours? I think the defense on Madden, it's going to be really fun. 
And I think if guys play up to their potential, it can be really good. And the two I'm looking at in particular, the pass rushers, Ojabo and Owe. If those two guys have big years getting to the quarterback, I think that unlocks an element of this defense we haven't seen since 2014-ish with Suggs and Doomerville, where you have like two really good pass rushers. Because they've had one, and they've they, they've done a really good job with the Justin Houstons of the world. Yeah. Right? The Calais Campbells, the veteran guys who can come in and help out a little bit. But, you know, those guys, you know, Campbell not so much, but, but Houston in particular was kind of just third down, right? JPP was on this team last year. Yeah. It's kind of just a third down pass rushing uh, reinforcement. I think if Owe and Ojabo can really establish themselves as being real every down pass rushers, that can take this defense to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. I do think corner is a bit of a concern opposite Marlin. Yeah. Um, you know, Marcus Peters is no longer on this roster. Kyle Fuller, that didn't pan out last year with him getting hurt in week one. So the secondary has been a real strength of the Ravens defense, gosh, for a while now. And uh, this is the first year in a long time where I look at the defense and I say, yeah, secondary is not looking too hot going into the season. They, they, they fell apart. With, I mean, gosh, it was, what, it was two years ago when they had seven corners on IR. So, of course, that year the, the corners ended up sucking. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time in a long time where I've been sitting here in July. <laughs> in August, saying, I don't feel great about the secondary of the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I think, I think safeties are – I think it looks like a little bit better because it got Kyle Hamilton and you got Marcus Williams back there. But, yeah, the secondary is a real issue besides Humphrey because you got Rocky Seen, could it be Brandon Stevens or Kai Blue Kelly or just whoever – so that's a question mark. And Ajago, I remember us talking about him during the draft when uh, the Ravens drafted him, and we knew that he was going to miss some time. And now that he's going to get like a full offseason under his belt, that's going to be pretty big for him. And getting some snaps and being a guy where you hope Adafe is a guy that steps back up because last year – Kind of fell off a little bit with in terms of production. Yeah. So if Odafe can really start to pick it up, then you might have more double teams that teams will send his way, and Ajagbo might get more one on one work on the on the other edge. Um, whether it's him or Tyson, yeah, and this is a huge year. Know, yeah, yeah, Bowser's another guy that that he's there doing his thing too with it. Um, always a guy that, you know, when he was drafted, I love the pick and, and it was one of those guys where it was kind of built in as being a bit of a project, right? Mm-hmm. Like you knew when the Ravens picked away, he's not a finished product yet. He's incredibly athletic. He, you know, think of like the, the beautiful version of this is a Giannis, right? In the NBA <laughs> where it's like, he's got all the physical tools. He's amazing. He's beautiful. We love him. It's just not all there yet. You know, Kyle Pitts, you know, is kind of like that kind of archetype of a player. Where he hasn't just put, he just hasn't put it all together yet. That was Owe. Well, guess what? You were a first round pick. Now you're going into year three. Now is the time you need to put it together. Like now is the time where you've had two years under your belt in the NFL. Now you've had some flashes, dude. He has had some flashes. You know, especially that rookie year. That rookie year, man. There were there were some splash plays. I remember yeah. the one against the Chiefs with the fumble. Um, it's time now. Now it's time. I'm, I'm happy with what you've given me so far. It's hit what I've expected. 
But now, part of that expectation is that now, year three, you have a breakout. Yeah. You need to see more in year three. Yeah. Um, no yeah. place Campbell either. So I know that's going to probably hurt a little bit up front, not having a veteran like him. So you're probably going to have Matt yeah. up front, probably. Um, yeah. I like Matt Bouquet a lot. Michael Pierce is back too. Yep. Uh, Broderick Washington back also. Brent Urban, he's kind of a veteran now in the front part of the defense on the line. Uh, Roquan Smith is a great leader to have in the middle of that defense. Yeah. You know, Patrick Queen is also a very good player. You know, maybe what I want Owe to do is the thing that Queen didn't do, right? Queen is a good player. You know, he didn't take the step up, and that's why they went out and got Roquan. Yeah. Oh, and I almost forgot to mention my beautiful boy, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton. How did I? Oh, he's awesome, dude. This guy is so much fun. Like, (laughs) over the course of last season, he quickly became one of my favorite players to watch on the Ravens. Uh, And I am very excited to see what he does this year. He, can I say he reminds me a little bit of Cam Chancellor? In an era where you're not allowed to hit, in an era where you're not allowed to hit as hard as Cam Chancellor, he reminds me a little bit of Cam Chancellor. Yeah, because he's that big type of safety that plays hard, fast, that just does everything on the field, goes sideline to sideline. Yeah. um, And uh, one last thing before we move on to the Ravens, Ryan, because for 31 teams in the NFL, you can just skip over the kicker. Well, I was about to bring him up. When you talk about the Baltimore Ravens, you gotta mention Justin Justin Tucker. Yippee yippee Kaye Justin Tucker. That's my guy. He's the goat. He's the best. He's the most accurate. He's got the strongest leg. I still remember where I was sitting that day where he hit that one against Detroit. Man, what a beautiful man. Justin Tucker's just the best. It's the reason the Ravens have a leg up on every team in the NFL. Uh, the most we were actually talking about this today on our way up to Chiefs training camp. When the Ravens go for a field goal attempt, it's the most calm I'll be during the entire game. Because I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> How is he Whereas only he 33? Like I feel like he's been, been in the league. Ryan, I didn't hear most of that. I heard like one letter. We're going to skip that. Peter, what were you saying? How is Justin <laughs> Tucker 33? I feel like he has been on this team since like 2005 yeah. for some reason. Like, Ryan, this is more for you because you're the college guy. It's like uh, Drew Tate uh, in Iowa in the early 2000s. I swear to God, he was on the Iowa Hawkeyes football team for like seven years. I heard that name so constantly in the early 2000s whenever Iowa was playing football. I was just like, how many times has he been redshirted? Is, is he like a seventh-year senior? How is the stand still here? <laughs> but no, just four years, apparently. <laughs> I'm curious to see if there's an easy way for me to tell who has more points how, like, how far he is away from taking the uh, franchise record for things? Because he's got to be getting kind of close now. Because Stover was there forever. Yeah, Matt Stover, he was a Brown in 1991. And he was a Raven in 08. So Stover was there for 17 total years. Um, So, I mean, Tucker, I mean, scoring is up. And Lord knows... For the Baltimore Ravens, the scoring is up compared to what it was for a lot of those Stover years. So I would imagine Tucker's going to be getting pretty close to all those franchise records. Yeah, well, we know who wasn't close. It's the guy that kicked it wide left. So 
we don't need to talk about him, Ryan. <laughs> you know what, Ryan? Because of him, because of him, the Ravens replaced him with Justin Tucker. So you should so be thankful. All is well that all is well that ends well, right? In a way, Billy Cundiff should be a talent scout for the Ravens. <laughs> Oh, gosh, right. he still has about 140 to go if you count the uh, the Brown. I assume for a career record, they would include those Browns years for Stover. Like if, if you're the Ravens' so. all-time leader and stuff, because he did pass Stover last year as far as Ravens' field goal makes goes. But if you included the extra 100 that uh, Stover had with Cleveland before they moved, then Stover is still ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Ohio for a couple of these teams, and let's go to Cincinnati. And, of course, they've had big news that has rocked their world in Joe Burrow with a calf strain, and several weeks is what we've heard. So that's already a big difference, even though it is a little bit – it's in late July when we're posting this, but – Still, several weeks, it's still not what you want to hear at this point. It's not. One thing I'm going to look up real quick for us. So, remember last year, Burrow had the appendectomy and missed yep. pretty much all of training camp and preseason. I'm curious to see how, what kind of start did he get off to last year? Uh, I mean, well, you know what? There was that Steelers game in week one where he had five turnovers uh, he did throw over 338, but it was kind of, I mean, 53 pass attempts is going to get you there. Kind of a slow yeah. start last year for Burrow. Yeah. Um, so he did it, like I said, week one, he did 338 yards, but he threw the ball 53 times. So, like, it's going to happen when you're doing that. Uh, had four interceptions plus a fumble. In week two at Dallas, he threw for 199 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, fumbled in that one also. It took to week three against the Jets where he threw 275 and three touchdowns. And then he kind of just was Joe Burrow from really from then on. So he has had a shortened offseason before. And it took right. a couple of weeks to kind of get going. Assuming he's good to go for week one, maybe that's the expectation is it does take two or three weeks to get going again. They're going to be vague about it. They can be vague about it this time of year. Right. They can say a yeah. few weeks and it can mean a month from now and it's harm no harm, no foul. Right. 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 If it's six yeah. weeks, I mean, if it's when he, weeks. When he comes back, that offensive line is gonna have it, it's gonna like, hey, you guys need to step up because this guy just came back from an injury. We can't have him missing any more time. Yeah, and uh, one thing I'm curious on, too, is, is is it going to lead to quicker passes, right? Shorter passes. Uh, last year, remember, a lot of teams started doing the cover two shell against the Bengals, and a lot of teams, right? And Burrow was able to eventually kind of find some success sitting under that. Uh, he had a career low of intended air yards last year, 6.8 compared to 8.1 the year before. So, like, Burrow kind of reigned the offense more shallow, but still, he had a ton of success. You know, with Chase is awesome after the catch. Higgins, that's one thing that Higgins could work on. But Higgins is great down the field. Chase is amazing right. on the short yards and stuff. Um, maybe you see a bit more of that. Maybe you see a bit more of a dump-off game with Mixon. Maybe you just see Mixon getting a few more carries early on in the season. 
yeah, I think that all that's up, you know, to happen. Um, in which case, Mixon coming back, probably he's probably going to like that that he's, he might get more touches out of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean that offensive line, of course, whoever's back there, whether it's Burrow when he comes back, or I don't even know who the Bengals' backup quarterback is, Trevor um, Simeon. Yeah, I just want to oh, say I look at their schedule, so. They, they open at Cleveland and then have Ravens at home. Then they kind of get four weeks up until the bye with, I'd say, a reasonable schedule. Rams, Titans, Cards, and Seahawks. I mean, that's a good one if you want to wean him back in. But can you afford to risk maybe 0-2 because your last three are at Pittsburgh, at the Chiefs, and then Cleveland at home? Like, that's, right. that's a gauntlet come... Yeah. A playoff push because this division I, I don't think we said it at the top of the sh- uh, at the top of the preview it feels wide open even though there's an obvious one and we're kind of on it who should win yeah the Bengals should win I think in order for the Bengals right. not to win that probably means something went wrong for the Bengals more so than things necessary I think the, you know what things could go very right for Cleveland mm-hmm and, and Cleveland could then catapult their way up. I, I think if the Ravens yeah. win the division, it's kind of a low upside win. Right. You know, like if the Ravens win the division, it's because we went, wow, Burrow took a while to get back from the, the, the calf. You know, he wasn't the same. The offensive line wasn't good. Cleveland, man, Deshaun, oh boy, that sure looked bad, didn't it? Or maybe it's the Cleveland defense didn't play up to what they were hoping it to be. Like, I don't think we're going to look at this division and say, wow, the Ravens just ran away with it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind mm-hmm. of a low upside win for the Ravens, but like right. if a team is the one seed out of this division, it is Cincinnati. Right. Because right. obviously we'll save Steelers. Steelers are last, but I would say if they win the division, the whole the whole <laughs> world, something went wrong. Either well, Kenny, it, Kenny Pickett became a god, the offensive line is not as soft as I thought it was going to be, and he can have more time. Well, this Burrow injury opens up that path, though. For, for, the, path, the path is a... Yeah. Just barely over 500, right? The, yeah. the path is Burrow's calf is really bad, and he misses half the year or more. Or when he comes back, he just doesn't look good, and he right. you know kind of stinks. You know he can't move in the pocket, and things collapse. The path is the Browns. Deshaun is just what he was last year, right? And the path is for the Ravens that Tyler Huntley has to play. <laughs> right. So like the path does exist. For the calf injury, is it to yeah. the leg that was destroyed in Washington, or is this a, is this a different leg? Because that that I, I haven't seen know. that yet, and that's my big concern. Because the moment that happens to your rookie year, especially at FedEx Field, I'm like, oh, that's a dead man walking for the rest of his career. So like that that worries me. I mean, obviously as a scumbag Steelers fan, I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you, base God for giving <laughs> us an opening to retake our crown at the top. <laughs> but. If I'm a, if I'm a Bengals fan, which must be an awful thing, even with uh, upside, I'm I'm losing my mind right now. I'm absolutely losing my mind to know that we finally got the quarterback for a, a genuine franchise quarterback. I think I think we can say it three years and he's the franchise. Oh, yeah. yes. And now this is happening again and again. It's preseason. You can be vague about anything in the preseason. You can say a little. You can say a full out bra was just a little bit of a little scuffle. You know, just the the guys being dudes. All right, because 
he, he kind of – I will say I think it's not going to be too worried because I saw the the video on threads. And, you know, he was definitely hurt, but he was kind of holding himself. I think they took the card as a precautionary measure, but it's not a great look if you're a Bengals fan. They're like, oh, he's on the cart again in stupid pre in stupid uh, off-season uh, co- uh, practice. It was his left uh, ACL, Ooh. and it appears to be his right calf. Okay. So now I feel good okay. if I'm Bengals. Yeah. Just a weird hiccup. Yeah. You but, hope. Yeah. But you, you just wish that he didn't have to, that there's not a, there's a possibility that, you know, there's a window he can miss a few games of the season. Now, who knows? Maybe a few weeks is right up until, you know, the week one, week two. Right. Maybe oh. he just becomes questionable for week one and plays. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, his offensive line. Whenever he comes back, they're gonna have to protect him like crazy. Uh, it does help they added Orlando Brown Jr. to left tackle, and they put Jonah Williams to right tackle. So I mean, yeah, what regardless of what happens and how long Burrow's out, the offensive line they've upgraded over the last couple of years. Where if you're mixing, you have to feel excited about the possibility of running behind that line. And if you're Burrow. You do like that, regardless of how much he plays this season, if he misses a couple games, you're behind an offensive line that they've invested and put in the time and money and building around him. I mean, that's what you got to do with uh, a young quarterback. You know, Matt, you and I talked about it when with Fields, and I talked a little bit about it in the NFC North preview. You build around your young quarterback by making sure he has the proper offensive line to go and protect him. And then B, make sure that he has the weapons to throw them to. So when he has that extra, you know, second or two of time, he can go and find somebody that's a sub receiver. That's it. That's Let me just say team. this. I, I am jealous of the weapons this man has to work with. Boy, oh, yeah. Chase and Higgins, I, I'm frustrated <laughs> that the Bengals of all teams have this quarterback and they have that core. I hate this so much. It's disgusting. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's it's a just beautiful setup, you know, and then mix it in the backfield. Like it really is just like, it's it's pretty darn good. (laughs) Good luck paying everybody the next two years. Exactly. It's like, well, our, our, we got a couple of tight ends. I guess the best one is drew sample question mark, but it doesn't even matter. Who cares? Yeah. (laughs) Hayden Hurst. Who cares? It's not even there anymore. What you're saying is the Titans have a chance after Hopkins leaves, they can go get Higgins. (laughs) Uh, you know, I think they've got a chance. You know, I, I don't think it's a good chance, but I think it's a chance. Hey, I mean, he's from Tennessee. I forget which part of Tennessee, but he's from Tennessee. I'm just throwing it out there. Hey, that's um, all. It, isn't that all that really matters? <laughs> on defense, both safeties are gone. So they got some question marks back there. No Jesse Bates, no Von Bell. It looks like it's going to be a pretty young secondary. You got Max Hill back there. You got Jordan Battle. They signed Nick Scott. And you got a Wouzier as your number one corner. But it's a, another thing like the Ravens. Like, who's going to be filling in across that other spot, you know? Well, he's going off injury, too. Uh, he tore his mm-hmm. ACL last year, kind of middle of the year. He was really good before that. Um, and I remember him not being all that good before last year, though. So even that's a bit of a question. You still have the pass rush, though. You still have Hubbard, uh, you know, Mr. Forced Fumble over there. You still got Trey <laughs> Hendrickson. 
So, like, you still have, like, that pass rushing base to the defense that you can then build off of. But, uh, yeah, the secondary, it, it, if that secondary faced their own receiving core, they would get torched. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I think if somebody they did draft DJ Turner in the second round, maybe you hope that he can step up as a rookie. I mean, linebackers looks pretty solid with Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson. Um, but, yeah, that edge rushing front. Honestly, the front – line is probably the biggest strength of this defense because you got Hendrickson and Hubbard. They spent a first on Miles Murphy, who can come in and rotate in. And then defensive tackle, you got a couple pretty good ones in B.J. Hill and D.J. Reader. So, if you're this Bengals defense, if you're taking a look at it, you should be excited about that front line. Maybe a good, you know, a good front line can help out a secondary. And so, maybe that can be the case here where you do have a young secondary, but that defensive line up front can make some plays where it can really help out the young guys back there and being able to know their coverages and can improve week in and week out. Um, I did so, miss it too. Yeah. They, they do solve Mike Hilton, who was really good for them two years ago. Yep. Uh, he is he is still there. So that's also a guy in the secondary that can uh, kind of help feeling. I, you know, he's up there in age a little bit. You know, I think last year he kind of took a little bit of a step down, if I remember right. But uh, he's also a piece on the defense. Like you said, the best thing for a bad corner is a good pass rush. You know, just having not to cover yeah. for as long is huge. Yeah. Uh, so if we want to move on from Cincinnati, let's uh, head to Cleveland, Ohio, and talk about the Browns. And, of course, last year they made the big move and kind of controversial move of trading forward to Sean Watson. And when he came back, uh, we, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. He struggled immensely. And, you know, I looked at a couple stats. He averaged fewer than 200 passing yards per game, had the seventh lowest passer rating of any quarterback with 150 or more attempts last season. And he was that – Yeah, and he was it was a stark contrast to the Sean Watson we know. Um, I mean, if you look at this Cleveland team, you would think – it. You know, it's better constructed than Houston a little bit, particularly up front. Um, but uh, you sure. hope in, in year two that Watson can really get to, back to the guy he was back a few years ago when he was with the Texans and be that guy who can be an all-pro type of quarterback, a Pro Bowl-level guy behind center. And, I mean, he should. He's got a decent offensive line coming back. They've added to the weapons this offseason a lot. So, I don't know. What are expectations here for Deshaun in year two in Cleveland? Well, real quick on Deshaun. Uh, he averaged six and a half yards per attempt last year, which when I just looked at that and saw that on his pro football reference page, six and a half is like a hard to fathom number. Like, I just looked at last season. Davis Mills was at six and a half. Baker Mayfield was at six and a half. Now, Tom Brady was at 6.4. So, whatever, I guess. Um, but Carson Wentz was at 6.4. Uh, a certain Kenny Pickett was at 6.2. And then Kyler Murray was at 6.1. So, like, you're talking about some of the dirt worst quarterbacks in the NFL. That's what Deshaun Watson was last year. He had seven touchdowns to five interceptions across those six games. We are talking the absolute worst. They were significantly better with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Yes. So I say all of that to then say this. 
I am fully buying into a Deshaun Watson bounce back this year. He was a top five quarterback before 2020. I am kind of chalking up last year as fully on a mulligan, and I am willing to be totally wrong on it. Um, and if he is top five Deshaun Watson, look, you've got Amari Cooper there. You've got, I like David Njoku a lot. I, I, Elijah Moore, I'm a little lukewarm on. I like DJP, though, or DPJ, rather. Uh, Cedric Tillman, the rookie. I love Woo. Nick Chubb. Chubba, Chubba, Choo Choo, Nick Chubb. Like, <laughs> he's amazing and awesome. I even like Jerome Ford a little bit there in the backfield. Like, I heart eye emoji this offense. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? One point I forgot to mention this is one of my new favorite teams since the former Tennessee ball is on it. So, uh, it's probably not the best. I'm a part Cleveland fan. Uh, Who's there? Tillman. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Browns, the Lions, uh, the Giants, who took Byron Young and the Rams, they're all part of my new favorite teams. So I got, you know, five different teams to root for. So that way the times are awful. I can jump shit. I'm not going to lie. I I was looking at the roster. I was just like, does he really going to hype up Joshua Dobbs in the year of our Lord 2020? I was like, Ryan, let it go. Because <laughs> that's the first thing that jumped out. I was like, Ryan, it's Joshua Dobbs. It just give up. But hey, okay, Tillman. He ga- he gave his Titans some hope last year. <laughs> there. It, it took me back to 2016, but you know, thankfully he had a competent coach in Vrabel, unlike he did back in 2016. Shout Quite out, frankly, if <laughs> if Ryan had his way about it, Joshua Dobbs would still be on the Titans. <laughs> And Will Levis would be in Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, if I had my way, Hendon would be in Tennessee. To Matt's point, he was out the entirety of 2021, and most of 2020, or how, how long was he out? He played all of 2020. All of 2020. So out of 2021, mm-hmm. because Houston was like, we don't know what's going to happen, so we're not going to risk yeah. this. And 12-game suspension for 2022. Uh, 10. Yeah. So there's a lot of time in between. And was he even allowed to practice with Cleveland or was it just like, hey, you're back and he, throw a football? He was, he was allowed to do off-season stuff in 2021. But then once the preseason ended, he had to be away from the team until the week that he – well, or was it two – I think once he may have had a two-week buffer where he could practice but not play. Um, but regardless, it wasn't right. much, especially at quarterback. Like there's so much control to learn at quarterback there. Yeah. Was such a layoff. Um, Either way, I was one of the idiots who picked him up on the waiver wire in like week five, being like, okay, I'm going to bide my time, and now I'm going to go to the playoffs, baby, even though my team's broken. I am with you <laughs> on buying in. I I think he's – I mean, let me let me uh, open up his page here. Yeah, only 27 years old. There, there's yeah. got to be so much gas left in the tank for this guy. He's got him about to say, say what you about this receiving core in terms of like relevancy, age, yada, yada. Amari Cooper, Marquise Goodwin, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, as you said, and Elijah Moore. And you got Chubb in the backfield pretty much alone now. So I think there's a lot to work yeah. with. I mean, obviously, it's it's a list of just random guys because got to keep some people on the roster. Yeah. But yeah, offensively, I'm not an Njoku guy. I, I, I just refuse to buy it. I don't know if that's just the fantasy part of me who just refuses to – acknowledge him as relevant because every time i feel like somebody picks him up in the league it's just he doesn't do jack all 
Um, one thing I do just want to point out here, just a short little list of, I'm going to cherry pick admittedly. I'm going to cherry pick some names here. Okay. Uh, Plastico Burris. Think of 2009 Plastico Burris. Um, I'm going to cherry pick. Well, um, oh gosh, who's the guy that made me start all this? I had one in my head here and I don't remember (laughs) who it was. Oh, Greg Hardy. Remember Greg Hardy? Oh, Okay. Remember Pac-Man Jones and how good he once was. Remember Jonathan Vilma and how good he once was. Mm-hmm. Remember Josh Gordon and how good he once was. I point all these guys out because these are all guys who had very significant lengths to their suspensions. And even Michael Vick, who then was a backup for a while in Philly. Mm-hmm. I want to say he had like a full season as backup before he played again. I point all these guys out to point out that it is not necessarily easy to come back from a long layoff. It's why yeah. I'm totally, you know, me and Tanner go back and forth on this all the time. I am out on Calvin Ridley. Like oh, I am, yeah. I, I am out on Calvin Ridley, but I am in on Deshaun Watson. And there is a little bit of hypocrisy to that. Um, part of it is because Deshaun Watson at his best was a top five wide receiver or I'm sorry, the top five quarterback versus I don't think Calvin Ridley was ever that good a wide receiver. No. But I bring up all those guys to point out that, like, sometimes when you take that long away, it's just gone and doesn't come back. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually a good point that you bring up. Uh, yeah, I mean, this offensive line, it, it should be good in protecting him and making sure that, you know, he doesn't get hurt. I mean, you got Willis, you got Conklin at – as your booking tackles, you could do worse than that. Petonio as Absolutely. one of your guards. Um, so it should be a good line. But, you know, I think if you develop a rapport with one of these other receivers besides Cooper, that can really help this offense uh, level up a little bit, whether it's they unlo- unlock Elijah Moore in the slot or whether it's Peoples Jones or maybe Tillman really steps up as a rookie. If one of those guys sets up across from Rory Cooper, it can really level up this offense. I mean, of course, yeah, Nick Chubb. You, you got no Kareem Hunt. I'm expecting a lot of carries for Chubb. So, yeah. Dude, I am expecting something out of Jerome Ford. I think Jerome Ford is going to be a guy that gets some play this year. Um, He was a – what round was he? A fourth-round pick? Fifth-round uh, fifth pick? Okay. But he got a lot of work on special teams last year. It wasn't much. Look, he was sitting behind Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. He's not going to get a whole lot of work his rookie year. No. I remember when he was drafted, they talked a lot about his pass-catching ability. And here mm-hmm. in the, the summer, they talked a lot about how he's improved as a pass blocker also. So I think yeah. Chubb's going to get a lot of the running downs. I think Jerome Ford's going to play, though. And I think Jerome Ford could be a sneaky little player for them. Hmm. Matt, I want to bring this back to uh, Deshaun real quick. When Michael Vick came back, because obviously when he was at his peak, he was great at the mobility part. Refresh my memory, when he was finally back as a starter for a bit for uh, Philly, was he mobile again or was he primarily oh, in yeah. the pocket? Okay, okay. Oh, he – Okay, okay. <laughs> that, that, that 2010s – 2010, he was a cheat code all over again. Okay, okay. Like, that, that, 20, that 2010 – I just looked it up. He did uh, – he was with Philly in 09, and he only played one game. Uh, but 2010 – once he got the keys to the car, it was Madden Michael Vick. Like it and was, by then it was, he was like twenty nine. I feel. 
Uh, 30, yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah, I, just, I remember. I mean, th- that was why he, he broke fantasy scoring for that second half of that season. Perfect. And it was because it was because of the rushing. So in that case, if for some reason the mobility is an issue, which I think for Deshaun, I can't see a 27. If they can keep him protected in that pocket, which is kind of what the NFL really should be, in my opinion, with that, with all those targets, I'm, I'm not going to say... <laughs> I'm not gonna go too crazy because it's, it, it is Cleveland at the end of the day, and we we saw post uh, Baker Mayfield push 2020. It's Cleveland, so who knows what you're gonna get? But I don't think this is a Cleveland Cleveland team, if you know what I mean. I think the weapons really are such a key here because right. you got Amari Cooper, but he's old. Yeah, you got Elijah mm-hmm. Moore, who had that six game stretch two years ago where he looked awesome. It was a six-game stretch two years ago. Mm-hmm. You got Donovan Peoples-Jones, who's kind of just a deep threat. You know, he's kind of a poor man's Tyler Lockett kind of guy. You know, he's not a guy you're going to build your offense around at all. You've got David Njoku, Peter, who Peter won't take in fancy anymore because how often he's disappeared. <laughs> and that's totally fair. He has. He's a tight end. All tight ends disappear. Uh, you've got Cedric Tillman, who's a third-round pick and is a rookie. So I think all those weapons – you got Jerome Ford, who I like, but he's actually done nothing in the NFL. So like all those weapons outside of Nick Chubb. And, you know, hey, you know what? Knock on wood, I'll even say about Nick Chubb, we just talked about running backs and how they hit the cliff. Nick Chubb is 28? Seven. 27. 27? 28, 28 at the end of December. That's oh, right about that age. Where running backs start to disappear and fall off that cliff. I'm not saying Nick Chubb will, but I am saying that he could, you know. And so I think that there are just a lot of things for Cleveland. It's a house of cards. Yeah. It, it is. And I think that the cards could all come crumbling or they could all come up bases and be wonderful and beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Defense-wise, taking a look at it real quick, Jim Schwartz comes in for Joe Woods. Uh, up front, they're kind of really? yeah, they did. Jim Schwartz is back coaching yeah. uh, defense again. Um, yeah, my Jim Schwartz are dirty. <laughs> um, he's got his work cut out for him with this defense. Uh, they had the sixth worst pressure rate. They struggled to stop the run last year. Gave up more than twenty eight points on more than six occasions. So they need to really address all that stuff up front. They added Dalvin Tomlinson and Maurice Hurston for agency. And then in the draft, they took Siaki Ika. Uh, I know, I just butchered that. Uh, and then on the edges, they traded for Darius Smith. They got Obo, or oh, I'm not even going to try it. Uh, the people that are Cleveland fans, oh, you're, you're going to know who I'm going to talk about. Obo Okoronkowo? Uh, you know, Matt, I'm going to take it as fact Okor- that that's how it's pronounced. Ok- Okoronkwo. Hey, he's no uh, – oh, my gosh. I'm Chig. He's no Chig Okonkwo. <laughs> no. But he is Obo Okoronkwo. Yeah. And uh, then they added Isaiah McGuire, who's from Mizzou. Shout out to Rebecca's team. Uh, M-I-Z. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, they need some stuff up front. Linebackers should seem to be pretty much the same. Anthony Walker. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa is back. Bounce back year, maybe dealt with a foot injury. You got a couple young corners back there, Greg Newsom and Martin Emerson. 
and then safeties. You take a look at it, they and they added a couple new ones with Rodney McLeod and former Chief on Thornhill. So Schwartz has got his work cut out for him with all the bad stats I just read about him. Plus, he got a couple new guys up front and back in. But, I mean, you do have Miles Garrett. That does help a lot. It's a good starting point when you have Miles Garrett. Mason Rudolph uh, is sh- still in the Steelers, so there is unfinished business. I should mention, S-E-M-O, they have Mike Ford now. Shout out to Mike Ford, hey. still hanging around the NFL. What a dude. Um, really? But, you know, adding Zadarius Smith, that could be a huge addition also. Like, Z has been such a great pass rusher over the last, like, four years now. He had 10 sacks last year in his uh, return to, uh, up in Minnesota. Like, a Miles garrett Darius smith combo, you can do a whole lot worse than that. Mm, yeah, I think Zedarius could be in for a good year, too. You know, Miles Garrett will take a lot of that pressure. And like you said, Darius has been a really good pass rusher. Like almost pretty much throughout his career, um, so maybe he can break some. Wins. When they brought him, it's what they wanted with Clowney, and it just didn't develop yeah. because Clowney wasn't actually all that good. But Zadarius Smith is. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get a pot shot in on Jadavian Clowney. Uh, Readily overrated. I, I, hey, listen, as somebody who's had him on hate. his team, as somebody that's had him on his team, I can confirm that. I, I'll agree with that. He was awful. Diva in college, Diva in the NFL to the end. I expect well, not from somebody never, that played at South Carolina. Never all that good in the NFL. Right. Like, he never had that year that he was supposed to have. He was fine. He just never had that, it. That, that's the worst thing. For a guy with that much praise, he was just acceptable. But, like, the hype and, like, his whole, like, I'm going to sit out my senior year and screw over my South Carolina teammates because I want to protect myself, which, again, is understandable for the big money that's on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, did he ever have a big highlight that we talked about ad nauseum over? I don't think so. No, I didn't even look at, like, nine and a half was his career high in sacks. Yeah, his his career is a good year. His career is murdering that poor Michigan quarterback in the Outback Bowl, and that's college. <laughs> if it's college, didn't even did it even really happen? <laughs> well, for that poor Michigan quarterback, it definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's still feeling the effects from that. All these years. <laughs> What's that uh, poor man's name? I don't care. Um. Yeah. So I think the final touches on Cleveland. I mean, we we kind of have to with it being in pod lore. Uh, Jimmy Haslam. Everybody, this is the team Jimmy Haslam owns. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no criminal activities with Jimmy Haslam. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> Paid a billion dollars uh, to the government. That that was out of the goodness of his heart, not to go to jail for. Pilot flying Jay's crimes. <laughs> what oh. an absolute legend to get in trouble with the U.S. government being the owner of a football team because of Pilot Flying Jay gas station chain. Uh, legend. Literal legend. You know what? I'm actually kind of surprised that he wasn't involved in somehow in the Tennessee cheating scandal that they've kind of covered. <laughs> I'm real surprised. Uh, but uh, here... I don't know, Matt. I don't, maybe we should clear out for Peter for a couple minutes. To talk. Well, Ryan, do we want to talk rationally about them first, or do we want to talk rationally about them after? 
listen, Matt Mormon, I have not been I missed the 2020 season in its entirety. I missed the whole 11-0 start. I missed the collapse. I mean, you, you missed peak Yinzer Peter. You missed peak irrational Hope Peter. You missed, we lost to the freaking Washington football team, Peter. <laughs> and then most importantly, you missed the the disaster that was that Cleveland playoff game. And then 21-22. I mean, you know, that would have been fun and all, but. I just want to note real quick for 2020. Yeah, it was a soft schedule, but are we supposed to lose? Are we supposed to be like, would being eight and three or whatever make you feel better? Like, what do you want us to do? Uh, I would like to, there's something I got to get off my chest about a certain uh, person that is very important to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I I, I want to take you guys to history class real quick. Just, you know, it's going to be a while, but there's a certain man... (laughs) who coaches the Pittsburgh Steelers football team for the past 16 years. His name is Michael Tomlin. And he, everyone loves to point out no losing seasons. That's the selling point. That's why the Steelers keep them. Zero losing seasons. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of 500s. Miraculously, even when they went to 17 games, still managed to finish 500, a literal legend. But I just want to break down what exactly has happened under the Mike T- Michael Tomlin area. So we're going to start in the year of our Lord 2007. Made the playoffs, but they are a one-and-done at home against David Garrard, which included a blood hey. fourth-quarter lead. Hey, David Garrard had some good years. Oh, Matt. You oh. take some Listerine on David Garrard. 2008, Tom Brady was out the entire year with a torn ACL. The New England Patriots are effectively useless in the AFC. In the playoff run, they beat the Chargers at home without LaDainian Tomlinson. <laughs> they beat rookie Joe Flacco at home. And they beat the 9-7 no. and seven Arizona Cardinals with a 40-year-old Kurt Warner, including a 16-point blown lead in the fourth they, quarter. They didn't play the Colts? That's the playoff run I had, which felt weird, but hold on. let's. let's oh, you know what? The Colts were the, the previous one. The Colts were the, the, the earlier Super Bowl. Okay. Yes. Mm. Go on. Carry on. 2009, no playoffs. Four of the seven losses were to sub-500 teams. 2010, of course they beat, were. <laughs> 2010, beat Flacco at home, including, get this, a blown fourth-quarter lead. AFC Championship, you beat Mark Sanchez at home. Congratulations. And then you went on to lose to the six-seed Green Bay Packers, and Ben Roethlisberger went four and out on the all-important final drive of the Super Bowl. Love that, man. It's where it began. <laughs> 2011. One and done versus the eight and eight Denver Broncos, led by Tim Tebow, a seven and a half point favorite. The 12 and four Steelers, with a top rated defense in both yards and points, gave up 450 yards to Tim Tebow. I don't care if he had God on his side, it's Tim Tebow. 2012, no playoffs, four and eight losses to sub 500 teams. 2013, no playoffs. Three and eight losses to sub-500 teams. 2014, we talked about this earlier. One and done to the 60 Baltimore Ravens. 2015, you beat backup A.J. McCarron. You blew a fourth-quarter lead, and you had luck with Vontez Burfick trying to kill A.J., <laughs> trying to kill uh, Antonio Brown, and, of course, Joey Porter going on the field and uh, roughly enough Pac-Man to get in field goal range. But then... You lose to 39-year-old broken neck Peyton Manning. Get this with a blown fourth quarter lead. Okay. 
2016, you beat Matt Moore at home. Great job. You kicked six field goals to beat Alex Smith. Great job. You were decimated by New England. 2017. Now, this is understandable because you're one done to Blake Bortles, who we know is the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, that completely understandable. Church of Bortles. In fairness, with a great defense that year, you gave up 45 points to Blake Bortles. You were down 21 to nothing, and you failed on two fourth and ones. Just saying. Uh, 2018, no playoffs. You lost the four of your last six to make the playoffs, including a week 14 loss to the 2-10 Raiders with bad time management. 2019, no playoffs again. You lost your last three to miss, including to the Adam Gase-led Jets. This time, a little bit better. You were 1-8 versus teams above 500. So, actually, no, it's worse. 2020, one and done versus Baker Mayfield without his head coach in his first playoff game, losing, of course, like your uh, last five of your final six after starting 11 0. 2021, objectively speaking, maybe his most consistent season, to be honest. <laughs> Even though you tied the three and 13 and one Lions, you were only one and seven and one against teams of below 500 that one was the eight and nine Vikings so close enough and most of them were close except of course uh, Cincinnati and KC who you go you lost to in the playoffs and then of course last year you started the season two and six going into the bye and three of your eight losses were to sub 500 teams what does all this mean no losing season Tomlin has won a playoff game in only four of his 16 seasons Let's be real, the Super Bowl is a Cowers team. But in the last 10 years, he has won only three playoff games against A.J. McCarron, Matt Moore, and Alex Smith. Um. I have no words. And transitioning. But you don't know. I, the point is, this is the culture of the Steelers. They don't want to fire this man. Because it looks bad on them. This is why Matt Canada is still the offensive coordinator when Matt Canada is barely qualified to run a Dairy Queen. Matt Canada, at the end of last season, should have been sent down the Allegheny, the Ohio, the Mongolia. I don't care which one. We got three rivers. Pick one. Get him out of here. But no, this stupid moron is still the offensive coordinator for this team when you drafted Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh. <laughs> It was a good story. It was a good story. I love it. I was happy. (laughs) This is the rookie quarterback that you're trusting to take over the reins for the franchise. Are we going to be in another dark age? Is this going to be the between ages of, you know, Bradshaw and Roethlisberger again? Or do you, do you do the right decision that you didn't do back in the eighties to take Marino? I don't know anymore, but I'm saying this team. (laughs) Pick one. (laughs) <laughs> frustrates me to no end. We I hate. Three rivers. <laughs> There's three of them. I I did have notes about their uh, draft mistakes. The oh, I'm not going to go into that because that's just me being uh, a little too mean at this point. But I just want to point out uh, in 2020, <laughs> in the second round, they took Chase Claypool. Four picks later, was Jalen Hurts. Just saying. I'm just saying. I know. Well, Peter, he would have been under Matt Canada's offense. Yeah, but he still would have been a better replacement for Big Ben. 
You know, I still defend the Chase Claypool over Jalen Hurts pick. I do. I I still I do one hundred percent believe that Matt Canada would not. Yeah, I, I I'll defend that one. Um, you got three rivers picked from pick one. <laughs> <laughs> that broke me. Oh, oh that, that was good. What? Oh, so this is the, this is the situation for the Steelers. Uh, it's a coach who is untouchable, and I think he knows it at this point because when that's your record in the playoffs in the last ten years. What can you do to get fired? Well, have a losing season. Oh boy! Well, it could be it. I've been saying <laughs> that I've been saying that a lot recently, but it never happens. But this could be it because uh, this, this could be it. This is not a great offensive line. Let's start. Let's start. Let's let's start talking about the team. And I we, think the, the offensive line is better than what it was last year. I think sure, but it's still soft. Sure, but I do think it's better than what it was, and I think. Right. That's part – okay, so I'm not a Matt Canada guy. I think Canada is not a good offensive coordinator. I do think what Canada is trying to do is minimize the impact of a bad offensive line. That's why they lead the league in in jet sweeps. That's why they lead the league in screen passes. That's why they're getting the ball out of Pickett's hands so fast, I think. I don't know if it's necessarily what Canada wants to do or if Canada looks at what they have and says, this is what I have to do. Yeah, I don't know. And if it is what he wants to do, then I think he's just a bad coach. And that could be. Maybe he is. Maybe he's just a bad coach. That could be the case. There's bad coaches all over the place. We just talked about Bill O'Brien a little while ago. <laughs> I do think, you know, a first-round left tackle may be inconsistent this year, but that helps. Sure. I have to say Amalu, big pickup from Philly. Uh, and then, yeah, the other three, I think, are hold Oh, no, James Daniels came over from the Bears. So, like, you you took the you, – you, you picked the best plum off of a bad tree, and now you put that plum on your tree, and it's like, well, look, we got the best plum from their tree, you know. I don't know if it's a good plum. It may still be a bad plum from a bad tree. Um, I, I love the lot, weapons. A lot of faith in Broderick Jones, but, again, a rookie on the line. I, I'm always scared by that. I think he will develop. But poor Pickett, You're, two two concussions last year, three three concussions. Oh, it wasn't three. That'd be two a territory. Okay. I don't know. Did he even yeah. have? Did he miss any? Did Pickett miss any time with injury? Uh, I thought he only missed from the, uh, you know, from not playing yet because they had they had to play Mitchell Trubisky. Obviously, I know mm-hmm. he he got it in week fourteen against the Ravens because he was out for the following game against it was it was one of the nfc south teams i think the panthers panthers yeah yeah oh, okay yeah um, they've been taken out for a bit of an earlier game early uh, it was the, it was the ravens game where he got knocked out on i oh. don't remember that for whatever reason <laughs> i guess because by that time oh they weren't making were it <laughs> they were not making it they were not making that they were not yeah. in the playoffs <laughs> Season was over at that point, wasn't it? Yeah. At that point, it was like the perfect embodiment of the Steelers season. Just like, yeah, we're on the ground. Just just put us out of our misery, coach. <laughs> like, I don't think – I think Deontay Johnson is a little overrated, but I think he's a good two. And then I like Pickens. Pickens showed some stuff last year. And mm-hmm. I think that with a better offensive surroundings, Pickens could be a breakout candidate this year. It, I just don't know if that's the offense for it. I'm very interested in this whole situation now picking up Darnell Washington for a second tight end. Because I really like Pat Thurmuth, 
But I, I don't know. If, if this is a Gronk Hernandez situation, that sounds awful to say out loud <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Thinking Hernandez uh, a positive. But he was. He was a great tight end. I think it's more of a, you know, we're talking about the Brock Bowers and uh, Darnell Washington situation, right? Right. I think it's, look, the offensive line's bad. How can we fix the offensive line as fast as possible? Let's draft a 300-pound tight end. Exactly. And let's have him be an extra blocker on some plays. Mm-hmm. I think that's what Darnell Washington's going to be for this team. And I think that there's some usage in that. I will say for the one and two for receiving, I really like Pickens. I think he's the guy you have to build around as the one. He showed a lot of the flash. Deontay Johnson, I do, I don't know anymore. I feel like he should have been the one last year, and he kind of was, but he just never. It's weird because I, I I had him on my fantasy team, never started him because I actually had a good receiving core, but he was always consistent from a fantasy perspective. And I looked at his stat lines for every, for every game. I was like, oh. That's that's fine. Well, but... he, he caught zero touchdowns. Right. And it's that hard to make. Amazing. It's hard to have a game. It's hard to have a game look good when you have a zero touchdown every week. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and you know, even eight hundred eighty-two yards is kind of disappointing. But right, coming from that offense, game, we did have yeah. a seven-nine quarterback with, for touchdowns, interceptions. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Like, I don't expect him to suddenly catch seven touchdowns this year. <laughs> I'm right. expecting four. Maybe five? I think Pickett's upside is like, let's call it like an 18-15 season. Definitely have more TDs and interceptions, but let's not say, let's not expect 20s. Yeah. I, 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 I think Najee in the backfield can really do a lot, especially with uh, McFarlane Jr. I really do like him. I really wish they would just... Oh, Jalen of... Warren really showed some stuff, too. Did. Warren, Warren looks, I mean... Part of me wonders if he should be having more snaps than Najee at some point. Mm. Um, or at least be really eating into them. I think the, to me, the Steelers' biggest goal of this season just needs to be when we sit here and in January, mm-hmm. do we want Kenny Pickett to be the guy or are we done with Kenny Pickett? That just needs to be the question we need to know the answer right. to. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I can't I, I think this is going to be a real proving ground year. I can't see Trubisky getting much time, and the contract is going to be up. I believe it's only two years, or they extended oh, a bit. If if Trubisky plays, then that means something went wrong. Right. Like, yeah. it should, Kenny Pickett should get every opportunity to show right. that Kenny Pickett's the guy. And if he totally sucks, or if he's just not doing anything, then he's not your guy, and you draft one this year, and, and you're stuck in that QB carousel or maybe you go sign a Kirk Cousins you know in the offseason right like that Jimmy G is gonna be available again you know yeah like that's the that's where teams find themselves when when the when the quarterback you've had for 20 years retires Mm -hmm. you find yourself taking one the first round and you hope it's Justin Herbert but sometimes you can have hair that's as good as Justin Herbert's but you don't have the same talent that Justin Herbert has Mm -hmm. and then you find yourself in the Situation the Patriots are in with Mac Jones, right? Like, okay, we took you in round one. Here we are. That's what you don't want. You don't want to be sitting here a year from now where the Patriots are out with Mac Jones, and you're still asking yourself, well, should we give Mac Jones one more year? Because the Patriots are, and they're probably wasting a year by doing it. Right. Whereas what you want is a year from now to say, 
all right, we learned Kenny's the guy, or we didn't learn Kenny's the guy. You want to know this year, so that way you can move on or move forward. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like a, I echo kind of the same thoughts with the Fields back in the NSP yeah. North pod. You want to know as soon as possible if they are the guy or not, because if you know that they are or they aren't, then you can quickly make your next move. If they are, great. Build around them, whether that's you need to plug up a hole on the offense line or go out and get them a good receiver. And if they aren't, you can move off them and go find your next guy, whether that is somebody in free agency or whether that's somebody in the draft. Um, but, yeah, I kind of echo some of the same thoughts. I think Pickens can be a guy that can have a breakout season. Um, you do hope he catches more touchdowns this year. Four would be an improvement over zero. I mean, let's be real. One would be. Um, but, but that was with Deontay. Yeah. Deontay had the zero. Okay. Well, and you know, it, you mentioned about Deontay being a number, probably lining up with more of a number two. I think that's kind of what you hope that Pickens elevates himself to that number one status, can take that leap, and Deontay goes to that number two status, and then there you go. And you have Fryermuth right there. Who Fryermuth had a really good season last year with over 700 yards. Yeah. And Darnell, yeah. that I really wanted him on the Titans, particularly for that one. Does fit with the Steelers if you want to be able to get Najee out in space and give him better blocking. Adding a tight end that's close to 300 pounds and as athletic as he is. That can go a long way in helping him and helping this offensive line, which, yeah, there's some pieces that they added to, and you hope Roderick Jones doesn't turn out like another four Georgia offensive lineman in Isaiah Wilson, but you hope that he's far away from that, and you hope that he can be that left tackle of the future. Um, and then Najee, I mean, you hope that with all the stuff that you've done, you hope this helps him get back to what he was in 21. And, you know, maybe it, whether it's running game, pass game, you hope it gets back to that. Yeah, Najee, I, I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith in Najee. But, you know, the improved offensive line, the improved blocking, adding a Darnell Washington, all those things are going to really help him out with his efficiency. I do think that Najee, he played, I think it was around 80% of the uh, downs last year. It was something crazy. I think Jalen Warren needs to play more. Jalen Warren needs to be a piece of this offense and use him more. Don't have Najee be a true feature back. Have uh, ha- have Jalen Warren play a lot. Do we want to go on to the defense? Yeah, because it's odd because there are obvious playmakers there, but they're surrounded by guys who are too inconsistent for their own good. I think the Joey Porter Jr. pickup is very good to give Minka Fitzpatrick some breathing room. I mean, Patrick Peterson, he's, again, past his prime, but there is some knowledge there. Maybe that can help out. So in a, in a weird way, if you can get three for four working, because I don't really know, Cuse uh, is weird, Levi Wallace I'm not 100% on. But for, for that secondary... If it's Porter Jr., Fitzpatrick, and let's just say out of the blue, Peterson's playing like it's uh, 2015 again. Yeah, that's great, especially come facing the Bengals twice. Especially, uh, I think we let me double check. Okay, they're they're third they're uh, third from last. So, but still, 
that's going to be crunch time if they can make a wild card push for sure. Yeah, I, I think you hope TJ Watt doesn't miss a lot of time last year. That hurt. Yeah, when he went out, it's just like, yeah, Highsmith did step up and had a lot of sacks this past season. And he 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 made himself kind of the heart, too, of that defense. Like, he was kind of the, the, the spirit squad guy for him. But I will say, if he stays healthy and you got him and uh, Alex on each end, In Christ the- almighty. In the games that TJ Watt played, they allowed an average of 16.9 points per game. If you're in the NFL in 2023 and you're only allowing 17 points per game, you are an elite defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not do the math just yet on the games where TJ Watt did not play. They could have been you, good. Well, there's one game where they allowed less than 17 points. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like they allowed, well, I'll just run through them real quick 17, yep. 29, 24, 38 against the Bills, uh, 18, 16, and 35 against the Eagles. So, like, they gave up monster games to monster offenses. Right. And they did, you know, even with one on the field, they gave up 37 to the Bengals. Um, <laughs> but that's the difference that TJ Watt makes. It's literally a 10 point difference. Right. You know, if you're giving up 17 points compared to 27 points, that that's the opportunity to win versus the opportunity to lose with TJ Watt just being on the field. Like the dude is one of the most impactful and valuable players in the entire NFL. Okay. Cause, cause the Steelers defense, especially like at Tomlin's, I guess the, the most recent peak where they were legitimately a Super Bowl contender, let's say mid 2010s, roughly toward the end of it. Yeah. The secondary was not great, but that line was a nightmare to go up against. And that really helped him out because what, what were the names on? I, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to waste my time because they were all bad. Was, oh, was Ike one of them? No, Ike uh, would have been gone by Mitch, No, Mitchell. Uh, that, yeah. That, that, that crybaby. Uh, that crybaby. Yeah. Yeah. There we yeah, go. Yeah, Mike Mitchell. Uh, Artie Burns, of course. Getting burned all the time. <laughs> oh. In, in, uh, in Joe, the name. Joe Hayden would have been on some of those teams. But yeah, I mean, they, they were locked down by Cameron Hayward and Bud Dupree and eventually TJ Watt. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the pass rush saved them. And um, Minka, Minka clearly needs that help because TJ, yeah. he needs him in that middle so Minka can do some work back there. Uh, it, but again, even if TJ has to miss some time, I think Porter Jr. can step up. Again, rookie. Rookie in the secondary in the NFL. That's not going to be, it's not going to be an easy transition for the guy. Unless you're sauce. Yeah. Gardner. I was just going to say, right. they ain't all sauce. Nah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Love them. He, he made it look easy, but you know, like Alex Highsmith has come around. He's a good player for them also. But to me, it really does. It all starts. It all ends. TJ Watt. Like right. is Watt playing? Then this defense is very good. Mm-hmm. Is Watt out? Then this defense is pretty middling. And you know, Against the high power offenses, Watt gives you that one chance. You know, I, I always I, I've said it since I was in high school that having that one pass rusher is the equalizing factor against these quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It still is the case. If you've got a guy like TJ Watt on your football field, then you've got a chance against anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's so important when six of your seventeen games are going to involve Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and the wild card of Deshaun Watson in 2023. <sighs> That's scary. Yeah. And of course, yeah, we have Kenny Pickett. 
one of these things doesn't belong here. <laughs> what, you know, one of these things. You know, to to be honest with you, I kind of feel like that with the Titans too, because here's Stroud and Richardson. Yes, they're rookies, but they got a lot of potential talent. Then you got Trevor Lawrence, and here we are with Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis. You got Will Levis, Ryan. I don't know what your problem is. We got Will Levis. That is the problem. <laughs> I want a Michael Mayer. Oh, jeez. Ryan, I'm going to be honest with you. If the Steelers drafted an Ohio State quarterback that just manhandled Penn State out of all my dreams for them, but he won us games, I'd be like, Praise be the Ohio State University for this gift to the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I would be done. I would be sending them. A, I'd be like, "Here's five hundred dollars and a thank you and a smiley face." Yeah, I, I mean, other things with this defense, the whole linebacking core from a year ago gone. You got Cole Holcomb yeah. coming in, uh, and, and Landon Roberts as well. So. TJ's going to need some help with the linebacking crew back there because even though you did lose Jack and Bush and all those guys, you do want some and one of those guys. Let's be real. Losing Bush was not a losing Bush is not an issue. That guy did absolutely nothing. <laughs> he was part of my draft notes too. Oh yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, if they didn't trade up and stay at round one, they could have easily gotten Josh Jacobs, and if they stayed in round two, they could have gotten uh, AJ Brown. That was my fun little note. If that tragedy didn't happen. So if they would have drafted AJ Brown, would he have just gone the same way as Chase Claypool? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, these these are done. These are done as therapy. Oh, here here's the bet. Here's my favorite. Uh, round two in 2017, they took Juju. Three picks later, Cooper Cup. You know what I? That was a better pick for like four years or five right. years. And really, oh, the first two years, I was like, we did it. We found our next AB. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I don't think. You and then, uh, Fortnite and TikTok happened, unfortunately. <laughs> like Cooper Cup. Okay, if you remove both of their best year, Juju's been better, right? Yes. Cooper Cup just has the one year, and Juju mm. also just has the one year. <laughs> Like they both kind of do, just have one year. I'm expecting I, Cooper. And I'm Cooper selfish. Cup was awesome yeah. for the first half of last year, right? And my I self- expect Cooper Cup to be awesome this year. <laughs> my selfishness is who played the Super Bowl, but then I remembered, wait, Juju unfortunately technically did play in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that that disgusts me. Hey, which one? Well, I guess they both actually won theirs, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, I forgot the Rams. Yeah. The Rams won. Yeah. <laughs> do we uh, want to uh, rank rank the teams? Who we think is going to finish in each spot? Yeah, uh, do do you want to hear my record prediction? <laughs> yeah, Peter, give us your record prediction. Tell us about uh, the one in fifteen. No, one in fifteen is too much. Amazing Grace is it? Because then you guys get to pick first. You're probably going to be more like a what six and eleven. You are Matt Mormon. You are ungodly close. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> I nailed it. Five. Five and twelve. Five and twelve. <laughs> uh, this includes loot. This includes going zero and five. Your last five games, <laughs> because I, I, I feel like by that point Mike Tomlin would realize, oh, I gotta play for real. He'll just be like, okay, because 
Hey, that that list I gave you of uh, his uh, performances in his 16-year tenure, how many times did I say blown fourth quarter lead? <laughs> in, in late season losses, too. In playoff that has losses. Been a trend. Oh, disgusting. I have James Franklin doing the same thing in Penn State, and I got this a-hole in Pittsburgh. But realistically, somehow, some way, this guy's gonna go nine and eight, and it's just get, in, in in Pittsburgh land. Uh, Art Rooney and name only will be like, "Well, we're not losers." <laughs> yeah, we're not winning though, Art. Oh man! All right, so clearly the Steelers are finishing last. I, I see oh, seven. Yeah. I see seven or eight wins. Let's see. I need just for it. I pray just, for it because it's the only way anything's going to change in this stupid team. Like just looking at the schedule, like there's a, I, I, you know, there's a Cleveland, a Vegas, and a Houston in the first five weeks. Yeah, I think they win two of those three. Maybe they win all three of those. Uh, there's like there's a Rams, Jags, Titans, Packers stretch where I think they can win two or maybe three of those. Uh, I have them losing all four. But that's the thing. I, I I could see them losing all four, but I don't see them losing all four. Like I might pick them to lose all four, but they'll win one. You know, they might even win two. They should beat Green Bay, but I feel like that's knowing Mike Tomlin, that's the see, trap Green, game of all trap games. Green Green Bay looks at that and says we should beat Pittsburgh. Right? Like I think they both are on like pretty equal footing. Um like so Arizona. Could, so what England, you're saying is that could be the game of the century. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, there's, there's an Arizona New England indie stretch if weeks 13 through 15. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be the most dead cat bounce thing in history to be like, you know, three and f- seven or whatever, and then rattle off three in a row in like that range. Like, I thought like that's the most just like Tomlin y type of thing to do. And then uh, get crushed by the by the Bengals right after that. Absolutely. And then probably beat Seattle in Week 17 for no reason. And then probably beat the Ravens in Week 18 because Tyler Huntley's playing for whatever reason this time. See, right? see to me, the most likely like playoff scenario because it's clearly going to be oh, a lock card. I don't have a playoff scenario for you. This team is not winning the division in any regard. There's no way. Even even in Pickett's best case scenario, it's not yeah. division material. There, I, I think there is a slight hope for that seventh seed because the seventh seed is a joke and it should be reserved for the most jokey team, which would be the Steelers this year. I could see them 100% getting to week 15 in that prime position, but they got to play well. And Mike Tomlin's going to see Colts and be like, okay, we can rest for the Bengals, for the Seahawks and Ravens. Let's go – uh, we just lost to the the Colts twenty eight to twenty four. <laughs> uh, all right, guys, we we got the Bengals at home. Let's go beat them. <laughs> and uh, Acrisure Stadium, disgusting. disgusting. I, I feel like Pittsburgh and New England are in very similar spots. Oh, it's gonna be great. Like both of them just feel like they're kind of stuck right now. And, you know, they don't know what they're doing at the quarterback. And they have good defense and not really any explosiveness on offense at all. Um, and they're both in divisions where it's like, if things go right for those other teams, you are absolutely the four seed of your I, division. I, 
the the bright side I'm looking at is in my lifetime this team gave me two Super Bowl victories. Even if you want to put all the asterisks next to the Seattle one because the refs, yada yada yada, you can't take away that Arizona one and that San Antonio Holmes catch from me. You can't take it away. So I got that. So if this becomes the '80s, as my parents, as my mom always talks about, the nightmare of the '80s with the Steelers. Well, I got two Lombardis. Suck it, America. <laughs> I won. What happened with the refs? No, we're not. I'm not gonna take the time to get into it. No. Uh, uh, I, I don't Seattle know crying. There. It's Seattle fans crying, but NFL fans hate the Steelers, so obviously they're like, "Oh, Seattle's right." Sure. <laughs> um, Ryan, do you have the Steelers in last in the division? Uh, okay. So I think I'm. I think I have Bengals in first. Um, I was going from the bottom up. Uh, okay, all right. Um, <laughs> so, do you have them in last? Probably. Okay, <laughs> me too. Okay, probably. But uh, Matt's, more, Matt's more definitive. Ryan is kind of like I don't know. Cleveland's Cleveland, but Matt's like, nah, it's I, it's it's, it's man, last place Peter this yeah, year. Cleveland in is fantasy Cleveland. and in Pittsburgh. You, you don't know what's going to happen in Cleveland, Ohio. Um. They could win I the know. Super Bowl. They literally could win the Super Bowl. We don't know. We don't know. They could. They could. It's there. The pieces. It's there. But the question it's is, just... do we want to live in a universe where that happens? No. I do not want to. Miles Garrett showed he will try to murder somebody to win a football game. That's the guy you want during the playoffs. Might not be great because you, you'll be short. You're a good player for probably the rest of it. But... <laughs> For that one win. <laughs> not going to say you're wrong. Uh, I do have the Browns third. And, well, come back to me. Peter, who do you have third? Uh, I'm going – you know, now, now I think about it, I'm kind of in the same boat as you because my, my gut instinct is Bengals win. Bengals win this division. I think that's a safe pick. I think Ravens are second. Definitely wild card. Call it – Five? I think a solid five is respectable. But I'm oh, thinking I like... Feel, I feel like the East or the West is getting the five. Hmm. If it's a Dolphins, a Jets, or a Bills... Oh, either, yeah. And then it's either a Chargers or a Chief. Yeah, so it could be a six or seven. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, dude, the AFC... Like, I don't it's think... It's the, the, like, the AFC North can have three good teams... But the third team's not making the playoffs. Right. Mm-mm. The second team, I think is. You know what? Now, now that you remind me of every other division. Uh, yes, scratch that uh, from me earlier about uh, Steelers' potential low wild card. No, that, that can't happen with – It's gone. Yeah, that can't happen with Jets, Dolphins, and some combination of Chargers and uh, somebody else. Maybe, maybe Broncos. Maybe Titans and Jags, too. I am – I am 100% on the Russell Wilson comeback tour. I am so convinced it's going to happen. I'm ready, baby. Bronco country. Uh, let's ride. Let's ride. <laughs> Get them Cheetos out, man. Like, let's do it. Eight-hour flight back home. We're partying, baby. <laughs> man, I can't believe you just mentioned the Tynes in playoffs. He's paying. No. Okay, so in that case, let's just say Steelers last, no playoff hopes whatsoever. Browns third. You know, yeah, I'm going to go Browns third because I think the Ravens are the more reliable known product. 
Yeah, that's where I've landed too. Yeah. Is I think the the Ravens are a reliable second place finish. Yeah. But like if things go right, it can be the Browns in second. I, I'll go Browns third, Ravens second, Ravens do make the playoffs as the seven seed. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. This conference is good. This conference is really good. Sucks to be the really. Steelers. Yeah, it does. No, it it really sucks to be whichever one doesn't make it between right. the Dolphins and the Jets and the Ravens and the Browns and the Chargers and the Broncos. Because yeah. like half those teams are gonna miss. Yeah. Honestly, okay, I'm gonna say something here, Ryan. I'm gonna give you a, some spicy content here. Okay. Oh boy. I am like. On the brink, I am toying with picking the Bills to miss the playoffs. Ooh. I know. <laughs> I can't quite get myself. Well, Hold on. I, I just want to say, if that happens, do you think Haley Steinfeld leaves uh, Josh Allen and I have hope again? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I think they're a cute little couple together. Peter's um, just looking for his chance. I'm, <laughs> I just oh, things feel stale in Buffalo, and maybe it just means that they actually have stability and consistency. But things are feeling kind of stale for them. They do have a first place schedule, but looking at that schedule right now, the division they play is looks like the. NFC East and the AFC West. There's some pretty winnable stuff in there. The thing about Buffalo is, have they done anything this offseason to make you think they can get over that obvious hump that is Cincinnati and Kansas City? No. And, And I think on one hand, they've also done nothing to make me think that they'll regress necessarily. But like, I don't know. Just another year older for Diggs, another year older on the offensive line. You know, Von Miller, you know, still come back from the ACL. I don't know. I'm just, I'm getting some bad juju from the Bills. I'm just kind of feeling a down year. And uh, I look at this conference and I say, if they have a down year, isn't there a path there for them to then miss the playoffs if they have a down year? I think so. And that path oh, is the path is the, the Dolphins and the Jets, the Bengals and the Ravens, the Chiefs and the Chargers, there's all your wildcard spots filled. If you're third in the NFC East, I don't know that you're making the division. I don't know if any third place team is making the, the playoffs. I just want to point out I lost you guys there, but Matt, I'm going to agree with you. Thanks, at least, at least Matt, you got some spicy stuff for before the AFC East preview that I'll do later on. Yeah. Yeah, I just I don't know. I, I I'm not saying it will happen, but I'm not saying it won't. And I think a lot of people are just saying it won't. I mean there's a reason the games are played. Absolutely. You play to win the game, as a great man once said. I love how on the AFC North preview, my spiciest take was about the AFC East. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Go you know what? 
because I'm irrational and stupid and I missed it in 2020. Steelers got a Super Bowl. <laughs> Win division. Steelers got a Super Bowl. <laughs> Kenny Pickett is going to go, let's say, 52 for three. Because you got to throw a couple interceptions there. You know, no one's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> of course. I mean, he's got the small hands, yeah. Najee's going to rush for 3,000 yards. <laughs> And TJ Watt's going to get 77 sacks. So we're, all pick, so we're all picking the Bengals win the division then, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Okay, what, are you, what are you, crazy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even with Joe Burrow having a Bengals cap, we're all still picking the win the division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Joe Burrow can come out in the field with a broken ACL, holding a crutch, and throwing with his good hand. And I'd still be like, yeah, I don't think TJ can do much against that. Do we all agree on the Bengals as the two seed? Hmm. Let me eyeball their schedule super quick and give a reasonable Hmm. answer. I mean, that's, I think, the Chiefs' number one seed, right? KC second to last. That is rough. Oh, that's New Year's Eve. Yeah. Hmm. Where's that game? Uh, at Gamehawk Field. In Kansas. In Arrowhead. Mm. And they also have Buffalo. Ooh, they got Buffalo, and they got to go to Jacksonville. Ooh. You know what? That could be a very good uh, momentum win for Jacksonville, and I think it could happen. I'm going to say – I'm going to say not first for sure. And second actually feels a little – I think second is the upside, actually. I don't think it's guaranteed. I think third is probably where they land. Yeah, second or third. Yeah. Well, they were third last year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so is that it? Is there anything else? We uh, want to either add? way, Bills Lions Super Bowl. Put it. Put me down, America. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really thought much about my Super Bowl pick. Yeah, I've been so, I've been waist deep into fantasy. I haven't really thought about who's going to actually win the games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I I, I thought about the Bills losing games, but I haven't thought about anybody winning. <laughs> oh, Bills Mafia is going to hammer this in the Apple reviews. <laughs> hey, Come hey, on. not not Peter Lewis. Peter Lewis is saying Bills got a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, we're balanced out here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just I give me Haley uh... Steinfeld, you can have a Super Bowl. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, I think is that everything? Have we wrapped up? I think so. Yeah, I I got the joke. Steelers got the Super Bowl and uh, read on Tomlin. I think my job here is done. <laughs> and you mentioned Hilly Steinfeld, so we're all happy now. Everything's fine. It's like I never yeah. left. <laughs> yeah, good job. Even though I did for three years. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, guys, that'll do it for another week of NFL previews. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And however you may have tuned in, again, it means a good, a great part to all of us for you to spend some of your day with uh, us. I know Peter is on threads. So if you want to go follow him on threads, go to the actual Peter Lewis. Handle never changed. And then you can go find Matt at Real Matt Mormon. Matt, plug ADP. 
Yeah, the ADP Average Dudes Podcast. You can find it if you search Average Dudes Podcast on uh, Apple, Spotify. Um, on YouTube, I've noticed if you do ADP Dudes, that's when it tends to come up easiest on YouTube. So it's just kind of one of those weird search function type of situations there. But uh, yeah, go check it out. Me and Tanner, tomorrow night, we're going to do a little bit of recording. We're going to talk, obviously, about what Burrow would mean for fantasy purposes. We're also going to talk about Garrett Wilson's ankle and the concern that's going on there. But we're also going to talk about uh, what do we have on for tomorrow? I know soon we're going to talk about uh, players on bad offenses. So like your Deontay Johnson and your George Pickens of the world, it's like they're still useful for fantasy, but when they're on bad offenses, what does that mean for those kinds of guys? We're going to talk about that real soon. Oh, we're going to talk about formats tomorrow and Ooh. how you should be approaching different things. If you're in an, you know, an eight-team league, or if you're in a 14-team league, if you're in non-PPR versus PPR, of course, me and Tanner always have fun with that one. Uh, tight end premium, you know, super flex and two quarterbacks, kind of how you should go about that kind of stuff, and, and how all those strategies change depending on what your league actually is. Yeah, so uh, be sure to go check that out whenever uh, you guys, uh, oh, whenever that episode drops. Uh, you can find us on YouTube as well at 573 Podcast. There'll probably be a couple videos from this pod uh, since I'm looking at the recording time. It's a little over two hours long, so you might get a couple videos uh, out of us this week, everybody. It, I hope I can include that one line from Peter Lewis. Pick three rivers. Pick them. <laughs> Oh, that's a short that's a short right there oh yeah <laughs> but uh yeah that'll do it for us everybody afc north that'll wrap it up for us be sure to go check us out again where you guys get your podcast and uh yeah we'll talk to y'all next time everybody and we'll talk about the big 12 i believe and then we will have matt's better half rebecca on for at least a couple pods we're gonna have her talk a little bit about mizzou on the sec pod and we will have a chat about the AFC West and have her talk a little bit about her Chiefs. So uh, that's going to be coming up in the next couple weeks. But yeah, that'll do it for us, everybody. Have a good rest of your day, and we'll talk to you all next time.